0: Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now, here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Today's episode is sponsored by Axiom, a recognized leader in the business of law. Axiom provides tech enabled legal, contracts, and compliance solutions for large enterprises. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guest has an extensive background in professional services. He was senior counsel at Towers Watson and Watson-Wyatt Worldwide after working in private practice. Today, he's executive general counsel and a member of his company's senior management committee overseeing all law, compliance, government relations, and corporate secretary functions. EVP and general counsel at Lincoln Financial, Kirkland Hicks, welcome to Left Foot.
1: Thank you, Nicole. It's good to be with you.
0: Great to have you as a guest on our program. Kirkland, let's jump right into our questions. It's been a while since you transitioned from private practice to in-house general counsel. Can you reflect on the personal strengths that you have, the skills that you have that have allowed you to be successful transitioning in-house from private practice, outside practice?
1: sure i'm not sure if i would characterize this as a skill but certainly intellectual curiosity i would put at the top of the list of sort of desirable traits when i started in house first of all the company that i joined directly from a law firm was one i did not fully understand what they did uh, i didn't know understand fully what actuaries did but i was intrigued by the opportunity and one of the things that was intriguing about it was the chance to work with really smart people and that actually came through in the interviews so that's one thing that I would say just being intellectually curious, uh, particularly once you go inside in house, you'll see that the opportunities to advance really are go to those who are interested in trying new things and learning new areas of the law. So I would say that's top of the list. Secondly, I would say just being adaptable to change, which as I look back on my in house career, there's just been tremendous change. The company where I started was roughly. I think $700 million in revenue, and over time, through acquisition and mergers and so forth, grew to be a $3.6 billion company, and I ended up transitioning from that company to Lincoln Financial, and so it's just been, I would say, just from the very beginning, just the story of constant change. Another I would say is is humility, not taking myself too seriously. And then just because of all of that change and new people coming into the mix and new relationships being formed, I would say being able to give people the benefit of the doubt, it's been something that I think has been critical to my ability to, to thrive.
0: We've heard curiosity on our program, definitely change, adapting to change. Humility... I had the pleasure of working at Buck Consultants and working with the actuaries there and five years working with them on business development and really had a great experience and felt the same. I think actuaries get a bad rap.
1: I think they do too. Buck was a great competitor. You worked for a really good company there.
0: Enjoyed my time there. Kirkland, at this point in your career, you have the opportunity with your team to evaluate providers in the legal services space. So whether that's law firms, LPOs, other organizations that are coming in and talking to you about legal tech, they're coming in to talk to you about the services they can provide to your organization to help streamline, create efficiencies in the legal space. What do you look for in those partners that you're bringing in to really help make your legal department more efficient?
1: The overall thing is people have to make us look good. They've got to make me or whoever the individual lawyer is, they've got to make us look really smart for hiring them that we are just the brightest people in the world for having chosen them to represent us and to represent Lincoln. So that's what we're looking for. If you're talking to law firms, how does that? some of that come through? Obviously, you can't know what the outcome is going to be at the outset, but what you can know is how do the firms interact with you? How do they, if they come to pitch, uh, how do they pitch? Firms that come talk to me directly, are they asking me about Lincoln Strategy, are they asking me what things are on my agenda for the year? Are they asking me where I see areas of opportunity. Almost always we talk about legal issues, but we also if if people are truly and genuinely interested in what's going on at Lincoln and, and what's going on with me, we inevitably talk about other things. You know, I may talk to an individual partner about things that are happening with the team in terms of skill sets we're looking for. And they may offer some advice there or we may talk to them about what our goals are with respect to inclusion and diversity. The more sort of touch points we have by that they're interested in really helping me be successful overall, that certainly plays a part. When it comes to actual legal services, it is how do they talk about legal services? Just take litigation as an example. Are they talking about creative strategies ways to play offense on litigation, or is the approach more what I would call going through the motions, and I mean that intentionally. They're just going to file the motion in response to the plaintiff's motion. So how do they think about the case, and have they really done some original thinking about our particular matter and how they might handle it? Here's another example, firms who may talk to me, Kirkland, I see that you're a new GC or you didn't come from the insurance industry, for example. We can have some of our folks come talk to you, spend as much time as you would like getting up to speed on this issue or that issue. When I say we're looking for people who will make us look good, we mean that. Are you trying to make us look as good as we possibly can? We have bosses here, colleagues. We want to be viewed as smart particularly if we have to put the law firm's in front of those other colleagues. Well, that's the main thing, Nicole. It's a long-winded answer, but if I had to sum it up, it would be we hire people who make us look good for having hired them.
0: How much does the economics play into your decision-making? There are firms out there that have great reputations and they're coming in and talking to you about what they can do to assist you with your objectives, but is price, is financial strategy part of that discussion? Do you look at that as somewhat secondary Secondary, you're going to pick a firm or organization first and then how you're going to structure the financial relationship with them. Is it one and the same or secondary?
1: Very good question. It is always, absolutely always a consideration. Whether it's primary or secondary or even tertiary depends on the nature of the matter. I think that the larger the matter, the greater the consequences for the enterprise, the more visible the matter is. Those things would push financial considerations down a bit on the ladder, but financial considerations are always present. And I would say, Nicole, that the vast majority of firms are willing to work with us always on that particular matter in a way that we can reach mutual satisfaction. So are matters that I would say are more routine in nature, price is certainly a bigger consideration. Well, I think we're fortunate here, certainly in the U.S., that we have just a wide variety of providers, not just in large cities like Philadelphia, New York, and Washington, but where you can find great legal talent really across the country and you don't have to stay in these quote-unquote money center large cities. We utilize services like advanced law, try to find great firms wherever they may be. And then, of course, we also use services like Axiom when we want to fill a need internally on a temporary basis. We've got a lot of options when it comes to legal services and external providers when it comes to really finding a great value. Top talent, but also financial considerations that we find attractive to us. Thank
0: you for that response. Kirkland, can you share a success story where an organization has approached you for a portion of your legal spend and did a solid job pitching for that business? Would love to hear more about how they approached it. I'm assuming it'll go back to making the legal team within your organization look good. Any success story you can share?
1: Well, I think one year into my tenure here, just over a year it's premature for me to really be able to answer that why because the matters that what i would call significant matters that i have participated in selection of firms for those matters are still in progress while i could comment on the pitch and the approach i cannot comment on the outcomes which are an important part of the evaluation so what i can tell you is we have introduced Some new relationships uh, to Lincoln on the legal side. And those were folks who were very interested in working with us, not what I would call some obvious reasons, but because of the the interesting nature of the things that we do at Lincoln. So I would say it's, it's really too early to answer that question in full, Nicole. We certainly, I think, have changed the way we go about finding partners to help us on major matters here at Lincoln.
0: Are you engaging in online bidding, a different set of providers? Are there some best practices that other either law firms can be more aware of and more prepared to respond with? Are there other best practices that you're seeing general counsel utilize that you've adopted? There was this tendency to use the same players. What we're hearing from a number of folks in houses, is it's time to look at some alternatives players. Instead of using that AM100 firm, the AM100 lawyer you've always used, it's looking at the same firm and using a different level lawyer or looking at a different firm, a specialty firm.
1: Everything's on the table. Let's put it that way. Obviously, when I came to Lincoln, there were some institutional, what I would characterize as institutional relationships. And I think what we are doing is saying, we really want you to compete for our business because legal engagement of outside firms within Lincoln's legal team had traditionally been, I would say, fairly dispersed throughout the legal organization. One of the things that was clear to me when I came here is that we really did need to centralize some of that because the messages weren't getting out. Clearly, to all the people who needed to hear it. The message being, we want to relook at all of our relationships and bring some new relationships into the fold. That is, to your point, just because an organization is am law or just because they've been involved over a number of years, that is no longer going to be reason alone to re engage a firm. What we do now, again, on significant matters, is we are asking firms. I mean, there's sort of a counterpoint to this, and I'll come to We start out with what firms are sort of best. Of breed so we start out with call it a, a hypothesis or a hunch about what firms might be good for a certain matter a lot of that is informed from uh, just our general industry knowledge and our connections and relationships that we all have but then we ask firms to really talk to us in depth and not in a superficial way so you know sending us the brochure telling us they have every practice area that absolutely does not cut it what we ask them to do is look at a particular question or situation And tell us who's most qualified in their firm to work on that matter. And how would they handle it? And how would they play offense and be aggressive? And we ask them about potential outcomes as well. And we test all of that against our own uh, experiences, compare them to, to other firms. The main thing there is actually asking people to do hard work up front. One of the things I think we heard early from some of the team is a lot of firms are going to be reluctant to really invest that type of time and effort into a case at that stage, thinking about it before they get selected. What I said was, we absolutely want them to invest that kind of time up front, really thinking about the cases, what their approach would be. What would be your first move in this case? What would be the very first thing you did? That's often instructive. I mean, some will start out with, well, I would file this motion. The range of responses you get to that question, what is the first thing you would do, sometimes is really eye opening in ways that it sheds some light on how they, what their general approach to the case. Might be. I'm talking mostly about litigation, obviously in that context. We are just asking people to compete, I and mean, we will have firms come in all on one day in cases uh, or matters, and and actually pitch on it. And they may pass their competition, if you will, in the hallway. We're open about this. We want to get the right selection, the right outcome for Lincoln. I think that's one of the main things we're doing, and and we invite. The business people to be part of those discussions. So whoever the, our primary internal client here is at Lincoln, we ask them to be part of those discussions. So they're sitting there right beside us, and they're asking the law firm, what would you do with this, or how do you think about that? What that does, it gives direct business input into the matter. We want to see how nimble the firms are and how they would actually deal with a business person on these things. So those are some of the things... That we are doing here. And not sure I would characterize that as entirely innovative, but it is a change in, in how we do things at Lincoln in our culture here in terms of engaging law firms. Very pleased with early results. We've not gotten to the end of a matter yet. Can't really comment on how that has impacted outcomes. But in terms of process, we like the process here and we like the involvement of business people and having them be a part of the, the decision making.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I really think that's an important part. How is that outside counsel? How are they going to convey a concept to the business people? Are they going to listen to the business people? What their objective is? And how is that relationship? Are they really understanding what the business outcome needs to be? Right. Having worked in professional services, I mean, that would happen all the time, that we would be in a prospective client presentation day, and we would see our competitors in the hallways. And it was always friendly and appropriate. And we all guessed who they were anyway. So it's it's I think it's it's healthy for the industry. So do I. And now a word from our sponsor. Axiom Solutions combine legal experience, technology, and data analytics to deliver work in a way that dramatically reduces risk, cost, and cycle time. With over 1,200 lawyers and 2,000 employees across three continents, we experience a nerdy excitement from improving the way legal, compliance, and contract work gets done. For more information, go to axiomlaw.com. When those days occur, I'm assuming you are also having some of your legacy firms come in and also present, right? Absolutely. Has that caused any interesting response from those legacy firms or have most been comfortable with that, open to the process?
1: I have to tell you, Nicole, they've not expressed any discomfort with it. I think it's been positive. In a couple of cases, we found that sitting in those meetings, for example, with the the incumbent, if you will, sometimes they share ideas that we hadn't heard before. And it's an opportunity to say, why hadn't we heard that before? It makes for some interesting discussions. I think it also underscores why we need to do this sort of thing. I think most law firms understand that it is a very, very competitive environment for law firms, for big law firms. I don't want to overstate the point too much, but in some sense, we're just still in this very prolonged buyer's market for legal services, if you will. And I think firms understand that. And I think that in a sense, it it lights a fire under them where they may have become complacent, again, particularly with some of the firms that have worked with us. I think the firms who handle it well, Nicole, view it as an opportunity. And I think that's what I've seen with our firms. They view it as an opportunity to really hit the reset button to refresh the relationship, if you will. But we tell them that we don't know what the outcome may be. They are being given the same opportunity as any other firm to win our business.
0: Do you have a legal operations group within your legal department? And do you have a legal group that came out of your purchasing group at this point at Lincoln Financial?
1: So we do have a legal operations group. It's a small team of four. Amy Esposito is head of legal ops. And Amy actually is a finance person by training. She has an MBA, former Towers Watson person. She was already at Lincoln when I got here, but she was not in the legal department and she wasn't doing... A legal operations role. She is probably about a year into this role herself. She had a predecessor in the role of head of legal ops. And so we have that function. I think it's been tremendously effective for us. We like having it and we're going to continue to have that. You raise a very intriguing question. In fact, we've just started talking about this at Lincoln and our legal leadership team. Should we be handing over, once we've sort of chosen a firm said so we really like them for the substance of this matter. Should we hand that over the fence, if you will, and ask our procurement team, which is separate from legal ops. Lincoln's procurement team is part of the finance function. Should we have procurement actually negotiate the terms of the deal. Other general counsels I've talked to seem to have had good success with that. A firm in our industry, the general counsel there, shared that with me. And so it's an idea I think we want to at least kick the tires on a bit more. And think about, for all the reasons I think that would come to mind, that in-house lawyers aren't particularly good at negotiating these things, nor should they necessarily be involved in in negotiating the financial terms. How does that alter the dynamics of their working relationship? So it's something we're thinking about. I suspect, Nicole, where we will end up is that we're going to give that a try, at least do a couple of test runs this year. And if it turns out to be successful, I think we'll just implement that across the board. We obviously track what we're able to do within legal ops on the financial side. Firms now are often giving off the bat discounts off their hourly billing rate, whether that's 10% or 15% or 20%. They're doing that with almost just an initial ask. We wonder if we really did have a real quote unquote negotiation from people who are, that's what they do, negotiate vendor agreements all day for procurement folks, would we do even better? So I think we're going to try it. We just haven't found that right opportunity yet, but we're going to do that.
0: It's interesting. We are hearing that. So the discounts are happening. And then again, is it a discount? That's the question. A lot of these legal operations, people with purchasing backgrounds, You know, a lot of this is put in place so that there can be some structure around what legal costs are going to be, some predictability. Those roles are trying to allow the legal department to have some predictability, have some ability to budget. If you're feeling that pressure or your teams are feeling that pressure, it sounds like you're optimistic that that will have some results. Are you looking at AFAs and are you feeling the pressure to be able to budget where you can? Is there anything else that you're saying, I think if we implement this, we can have better predictability when it comes to budgeting?
1: I don't feel pressure, or I would say in my capacity, my role as the manager of this department, that is just part of the job. That is part of managing, always getting the best deal you can and and managing within your budget. That's just an ongoing thing. No one is saying, do more, do more, do more. What I'm saying to our team, we need to do more. This is something we've always got to be focused on is one is just being stewards of the company's assets and with my shareholder hat on, it's also the right thing to do in that regard. I won't say we've had great success with alternative fee arrangements. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I believe that there's been a lot more talk about AFAs, generally speaking, not Lincoln specific, but generally you hear more talk about AFAs than you actually see really great examples of people saying, we use these all the time and they really work for us. I think we need to try harder on AFAs. I think, for example, we need to look at whether specific or discrete parts of big projects can be done on an AFA basis. Now, we do have some firms, I will say, who do a really good job of giving us various alternative fee proposals. And sometimes they're better asking us questions that we don't have good data for. There is work we have to do internally, what I hope would be an outcome of asking procurement to look at this and to work with us on it, that perhaps they could press more effectively than we have with our external firms on looking at pieces of... projects and seeing if those can be restructured in a way that it's a win-win, a better win-win for both us and the law firm. In terms of more predictability, I think we do a reasonably good job of predicting legal fees. I put it under the banner, Nicole, of continuous improvement, of how we get better at managing legal costs. That's where I think, I'm hoping, at least it's my hypothesis, that we could gain some traction from partnering more closely with our procurement team.
0: Chief Practice Officer Toby Brown Perkins Cooey came on and calls AFA's appropriate fee arrangements. We're talking to our clients about paying the appropriate fee for what we're going to deliver. He said, and we've had other guests on left foot say the same, if you're employing the technology that's available for e-discovery, if you're employing technology that's available for just document management, that you're going to be able to do things in a more efficient way. And that that a lot of in-house Selection teams are now saying to their firms, saying to the LPOs, tell me more about what you're using to be efficient so that we know that we are paying an appropriate fee because you are being efficient in the way that you utilize your higher cost resources. What are you seeing out there that you think? is really innovative.
1: People have different meanings of what is truly innovative. I think what I would call, and I don't see this yet, what I would think would be truly innovative is using more, call it robotics technology, using big data. I don't see these things, but these are things that I think if we could turn these tools onto legal would be sort of the next thing using big data to to predict outcomes in cases. That seems to me sort of an obvious area where we perhaps could bring technology to bear on legal problems. Today, I would say it's anybody's guess. Look at a judge's opinion and how they rule in X number of cases and really crunch that data in a way that could be available to you at, at your laptop or on your handheld device. That could be really innovative. I don't know that that technology exists, but I think it's next. Client service, when we think about putting clients clients first. Better ways for lawyers and clients, I include internal clients, to interact. Is a phone call the best way? When we look at bills, so there's some great technology on handling legal expenses and so forth. But I still say it's not quite state-of-the-art there, and I think there's a lot more that could be done just in terms of that interaction. For example, just the use of mobile technology. All these things, I think, is sort of the next wave there's no reason these technologies can't be brought to bear for use in the legal profession we've had some firms come to us and show us tools which were innovative in terms of how we could work with them so for example we had one firm that helps us with labor and employment law show us some tools that perhaps we could use with our internal clients. We applauded the effort. We think it's a great start, but we work with them and are working with them to give them input on how those tools could be used. So the big thing here I would say is bringing to bear more technology. And having that technology, the use of that technology really translate into more efficiencies on our end and on their end. You mentioned efficiencies. I mean, we talk about law firm relationships. There's one firm that we had a conversation with, I guess, about six months ago and said, hey, you've been with us for a long time. You know us in and out more than probably any other firm. How has that been reflected in our relationship now? We don't see the gains from you having worked with us as long as you have. Those are the kinds of conversations. Conversations we're having and we're asking people bring us your ideas on how we can implement technology to drive superior results. For example, in the compliance area, that's an area where we're using more technology, but we think we can use even more technology in compliance. We're still looking to see what the tools are, but those I think Nicole are opportunities not just for individual firms but for the profession as a whole.
0: Absolutely great. You know that idea that long-term relationships and selling. You know the incumbent comes in. And- says well we know you and that's why you should continue to work with us but you're right you know do they come up do they present because we know you we can do things better faster cheaper right we can do them more efficiently because we have that experience. And and you don't always see that. Those are the firms that should have data. So they've been project managing different things for your organization, different matters for your organization, and they should know what the team makeup was, where they saw efficiencies, because they were able to reuse a plan of execution on a particular matter because it was similar to a previous matter, things like that. I think you're right. Probably not seeing them use that that way. I can tell you, we interviewed a part, from Holland and Hart, Chris Grohl, and she came on. She's a litigation partner, and she talked about that. She talked about documenting basically how they handled an A matter for one of her clients. They then took that and then used it again and again for the particular situation and how that created a way of giving the client comfort that they were getting a benefit from going to them over and over again for these for this type of matter.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think there's a lot of room there. I absolutely agree. I mean, why not have a client portal, particularly for big clients, a place where we can go in and we can see there's a dashboard. How are we doing on inclusion and diversity The people that are staffed on your matters? How efficient are they? Again, a dashboard, a, a picture saying, how efficient are we at your matters? How much did you spend with us last year? And how are we doing this year? That kind of thinking about just how, the client experience could be better. Could be better. I think when law firms really start to think about those things, I don't think they are today, we could see some really big changes. When we talk about innovation beyond the things that I think are, are known, I, I'm not seeing that kind of thing happening.
0: We're hearing about it in pockets. Many of our listeners are tuning in. They are lawyers. They're established partners that are looking for ideas on how to more effectively use their business development time and basically Acquire more business in that time. We've also got a number of partners that are newer to their business development responsibilities, or a few years in, and you know some associates tuning in with that idea of to be able to control their career. They know they have to be able to bring in business to the firms they represent. Kirkland, any advice you would give? You started our time together talking about being curious and and having an interest. You know, are there other things that you would say you really need to be conscious of this when you start this process?
1: I would. Think. How can I make this person be better? How can I make Kirkland Hicks look good, or whoever it is on our legal team? You know, how can I make Lincoln shine? And I think if a person thinks about it that way, that's a great way to open the conversation. Kirkland, I know you are new to insurance. There may be things you don't know. Uh, there may be things you're dying to know here's what I know, and I'd like to just have lunch with you and and talk to you about it, or come to your office and and spend 30 minutes and tell you the things that I think would be good for you to know. Or other ways to say... I'm focused on making you look good. That's really what this has to be about, isn't it? in my view. Great response. And
0: I think it's that people will say, oh, that person's never going to agree to do that.
1: And Nicole, you're right. Many firms will reach out. Often it'll be an email. Let me tell you about our insurance practice group. You know, that's a pitch anyone's going to make. Most people are going to come at it from that way. But if they say, Kirkwood, I read your bio. See that you were at Towers. Make the transition to insurance. I, I like to sort of see how I can be helpful to you. You may be going through this and going through that, and I know this is happening in your in your industry. I'd like to share with you some thoughts I have, and that kind of thing, which is sort of moving away from this is our practice group. We're a full service firm. They tick off all the 10,000 cases they handled but they never talk about results. Those are the kinds of things I say are just, they don't get one's attention. Let's put it that way.
0: It's the commercial about what they do versus what they can do to help you. Yeah. Informative interview. Appreciate you spending the time with us today. Any last points, Kirkland, you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye?
1: I think it's been a great conversation, Nicole. We've covered a lot of ground and uh, really enjoyed speaking with you.
0: Kirkland, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.